Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And I am not the usual host, Bill Sickens. I am Bill Snodgrass, standing in for our usual hosts. It is with a heavy heart that I must inform you, our listeners, as to why we have been re-airing older clip shows. On March 19th, our co-host and friend Jeremy Winkler passed away. User-Friendly Media Group is a family, and our team consists of the same people who started the show 10 years ago. Jeremy's passing was completely unexpected, and has come as a shock to each of us. As such, we have needed time to determine how to move forward, and thus pause production for a short time. Rest assured, we are planning to return to production soon, bringing you tech and pop culture news, interviews, and of course answering your questions. Remember, you can contact us on Facebook and Twitter at OneUserFriendly or on our website, UserFriendlyShow.com. We will be returning to our usual show and podcasts on April 15th. Until then, here is more of our past shows. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is UserFriendly 2.0. We're seeing some new technology that has just come out this last week, and it's actually a big step up and something that we've talked about in the past, and that's gaming consoles. Microsoft and Sony have both released their new versions into the market, the next generation as they're being called, of these different consoles, and they've got a couple of different options available. The Microsoft Xbox has two models, the Series S, which is retail price of $299, and the Series X, which is a little bit more powerful version of it, at $499. PlayStation 5 has also come out this week. They released on Thursday, and the PS5 regular is $499, and the digital edition is $399. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, is what this is. Now, Bill, you work a lot with our gaming stuff, and I know that you've looked at some of this stuff. Give us just an overview of all this. Well, I mean, the basic of it is, is they're selling you a digital download only version and i'm guessing one that has a disk drive right <laughs> is yeah. really yeah to. um it is a difference in you know i mean most people usually pick what they're going for way early on or they've been sticking with it or you're going to have your own reasons for choosing them they're just the next generation of consoles i've heard good i've heard bad I'm not big on some of the designs for some of them, but, you know, everybody's got their own choices in this. <laughs> yeah, the, the ju- design is interesting. I know the PS5 is not something that you would necessarily put in an entertainment console. It has a lot of heat, and it looks like this kind of almost tower thing, and there's been pictures of it out for a while. And the difference on those, by the way, is absolutely one has a drive, the other does not. So in my case, I still very, very rarely play things like a Blu-ray disc. So they do double for me as the as the player. So not having yeah. the uh, drive in there would be a little bit problematic. And there's a lot of people that like to get computer software, myself included, on uh, media, physical media. Even though in most cases with these, it seems like now if you do that, all that really is is an installer that goes out to the internet and downloads the actual whatever it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, that seems weird. Yeah. But the benefit, though, like, the reason why I would get the fancier PS5 is the backwards compatibility thing that they have going. So there's right. a lot of games I own that all I have to do is put the PS4 version of the game in and I automatically get the PS5 updated version. That's cool. Yeah, and if there isn't a PS5 version, it actually will play the PS4 version. And that is one nice thing about it is that you don't have to replace all of your old software like you've had to in the past. Yeah. 
Now, I know that they're dropping compatibility of Sony is for PlayStation 3. In fact, the PlayStation 3 games were taken off of the market a while back in anticipation of the upgrade here. So there are some changes with that. I have a funny feeling they will re-release some of the really old software. But you got to figure with these type of things, too, is there is such a difference in the capability. As For example, the new consoles are 4K. The old ones weren't. They would upscale in some cases, but you do have a huge difference there. The processing power is greatly increased. That if you have a game that's something, you know, really, really old, let's go back even further. Say a PlayStation 1 or 2 game that doesn't support high-definition output, it's going to look just terrible on one of these new platforms, it would seem like. Would you agree with that? To an extent, I would, but I've also played the updated versions. Um, you can get some of the old Final Fantasies and stuff from PlayStation 1 or even older onto PlayStation 4, um, which really helped quite a bit with things so that you could still enjoy them. Uh, they upscale. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's going to be some issues. You know, I plug in my PS2 to my flat screen, you know, 50 inch TV and it looks terrible. <laughs> right, it's, right. It's still fun. You know, I didn't mind about the graphics back then and I don't mind about the graphics now. Um a lot of them they update mostly is just cleaning it up, bringing it up into a higher resolution, but the graphics are still there. You know, they're getting at those blocky polygons and stuff, but being able to play the older games, because uh, as I've said, you know, a good game is a good game. doesn't matter if it was on a PlayStation one or a PlayStation five. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I think it comes down to that a lot. I know one of the libraries I was able to get on the PS four, which will work with the PS five is a, uh, it's, it comes out on a disc like they did. But it's the entire library of what was out on the Sega Genesis. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know, that was a 16-bit console from the 90s that had some good games and some really not-so-good games, you know, like all of them do. But the interface (laughs) that made it work on the PS4 for high definition was basically it took the old 480i resolution and the game and put it in the center of the screen, stretched it out a little bit, and then put a box that looked like an old television around it. (laughs) <laughs> and that was their way of uh, cool. of dealing with it. And it worked. It worked well. I mean, I have, uh, uh-huh. like you said, I, I think mine's a 55-inch or something uh, flat screen. And it worked just fine on it. it. It it played. If they had tried to stretch it out to be the full 1080i or 4K in this case, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have done so well. Because like you say, it does have a lot of the old 16-bit polygon, those type of graphics in there that there is a point where it's just is what it is. And uh, but the gameplay still worked. It it was a lot of fun to work with. And the interface had this thing where you went through this process. If you wanted to change virtual cartridges on your Sega virtual Sega Genesis, you went to a shelf, pulled the thing off the library, took the cartridge out of the box and plugged it into the top of this console, all virtually, of course. And that would actually (laughs) switch it out. So it was kind of cool how they did it, you know. But uh, what are you expecting? Uh, Is it worth even updating to a PS5? Do you think there's or or a new uh, Xbox? Is there going to be that big of a difference? Yes, but I always ca- put this with a caveat that I have never bought a launch day console. <laughs> and there's a reason. Yeah. Uh, anybody who has been around gaming for as long as we have, I still remember back when like the first PS2s uh, were going out, um, the first Xboxes with Red Ring. Saw that with the PS4s again for a little bit. The Xbox 360 with Red Ring again. I tend to wait until those kind of level out. Of course, you know, with the PS4, those tended to level out earlier. Uh, there was still a lot of Xbox red ringing going on past that. Um, 
but you know, you go buy a PS4 or an Xbox 360 now, and it's not even a question. Yeah, it you know, something that's going to last because they've kind of finally ironed out those problems. And you were talking about the PS4 or 5 being hot. Clearly, there's a problem with that. Um, I, it, there's always a lot of these questions, and it even comes down to make sure you know which way the system is meant to be set for the cooling. Um, some of them they sell with like a vertical stand and stuff, and it's like you don't want to do that because it's actually bad for the system because of how they designed them. Right, right. They're, they're computers, and there are good tower configurations for cooling and bad. So you can prolong it. you got to keep them clean. Of course, you can't open a PS4, PS5, or Xboxes. But, I mean, you're going to get different things out of different ones. I'm looking forward to some of the exclusives for PS5. I've kind of fallen out with Xbox. Uh, but I have started having some issues with Sony recently. But, you know, I mean, it's... I'm going to see where it ends before I uh, really get into it and myself. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Check out our website, userfriendlyshow.com. That's where you can send us your questions and your comments. We've got an exciting guest today from Sarcos Robotics, Jorgen Peterson. Did I say your name right? You did. Okay, great. It only took me 15 tries, so I'm glad we got there. He is the Chief Operating Officer, and you guys have been working in a show this week in Las Vegas. It's really kind of the construction show where you show off all the new technology and stuff. So let's start with if you could tell us a little bit about what Sarcos does and some of the cool stuff you, you're working on. Yeah, so at, at Sarcos, we, we have a, a core mission, which is to improve worker safety and productivity. Uh, and the way we're doing that is through robotics. Um, and these robots are going, you know, probably different than what most people think when they think about robotics. We're going beyond the factory floor. We're going outside into unstructured, dynamic environments, and we're mobile, right? So we're not just affixed to the floor like most people think about a robotic arm, uh, you know, bolted to a factory floor. These are mobile systems that go out into the world. We're focusing in uh, different areas. Uh, we're looking at construction is one area. We're looking at uh, airport automation. We're, we're, we're going below the surface of the ocean and helping divers uh, perform uh, tasks there. So we, we address multiple markets. But the bottom line is we want to keep people safe, um, but we want to in, improve quality. Uh, we want to expand the pool of qualified workers in, in the future. Um, and, uh, and, you know, on the business side, we're, we're improving productivity. So the we can in increase the rate at which uh, construction is performed, for example. Now, it seems like safety would play into a lot of this, too, because I know I was watching the video from Las Vegas, and you had a system there that looked like you could work it remotely, and it could work in a place that might be a little dangerous for a person to be. That's right. And yeah, no, safety is at our core. We're, you know, we're all about keeping people out of harm's way. Um, you know, that that's you know, half of our, our mission, you know, is, is safety. Other half is, is productivity. And yeah, we, you know, people shouldn't be doing dangerous jobs or be put into situations that are 
prone to you know injury or or worse. Uh, so that's why we're focused on uh, introducing robotics into new markets that really haven't necessarily uh, adopted or considered uh, robotics uh, before. So how I was really we- amazed by the the video and how the arms and things moved. They're incredible. They're so lifelike. Yeah, we you know we have two two main styles. One's a more anthropomorphic, which means that it's human-like, uh, and um, that's really useful when a person needs to teleoperate a system. Uh, so if it if it's just if it looks and feels and moves like a human, it becomes very intuitive for a human to uh, take control of it and operate it as if it were an extension of him or herself. Um, and then we have uh, another uh, variant, which is probably, it looks more like an industrial robotic arm that's put into difficult situations, which does, maybe doesn't have the same dexterity, but it has a greater workspace that's able to um, do repetitive mundane tasks over and over again with, with you know, perhaps higher quality, do it faster, uh, while also keeping people out of harm's way. So we have th- those two flavors of uh, robotic systems that we showcased at Con Expo. One was our Guardian X key, which is the, the human-like, more human-like one. And one was the Guardian XM, which was the more industrial-like uh, system that uh, was there. So it seems like if you're working in an area that... Uh you would need to get into that might be kind of dangerous, like an enclosed space or something like that. The the XM, I think you called it, would be something that could work really well in that type of an environment. Yeah. Um, we don't want to prescribe which is the right solution for any given use case, but but you're you're you hit the nail on the head, right? That you you need to look at the situation and figure out what's the right tool for the job, right? You, you know, is this one uh, dexterous enough to do the job? Is this one small enough to do the job? We have a pretty extensive portfolio of technologies. Um, and even uh, beyond what was shown at the Con Expo show, uh, we have our Guardian Sea class. So we can even go underwater and provide human-like capabilities underwater um, because construction and other use cases are, are performed uh, subsea. So uh, for any given market or use case, we, 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 have a per, we look at our portfolio f- and figure out what's the right tool for the job, um, whether it be uh, you know, dexterity, strength, um, maneuverability, whatever the requirement is, we, we consider that. No, I, I, no, I think it's absolutely incredible because it seems like you're hitting a part of the market that, as you said in the beginning, is very not much not serviced in quite this way to be able to move around and have all of these different type of things. So, so we need to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about some stuff that uh, we saw on the website and some other really kind of cool products that Sarcos has. We'll be right back. This is user-friendly 2.0. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're jumping right back into our interview with Sarcos Technology and Robotics Corporation. On your website, there's also a picture of a system that looks like a giant exoskeleton. What is that? 
Yeah, that's our Guardian XO, um, and that's a powered exoskeleton uh, that allows a person to step into it uh, and perform, uh, you know, uh, strenuous tasks uh, where you can pick up heavy weights, but you don't feel those weights uh, as the human inside the suit, where uh, if you're picking up an object, you can move it. It may feel like 10 pounds, but it's only 100 pounds, for example. Uh, oh so it, that way you're helping to reduce injury, reduce fatigue. But, and, you know, that's really conducive for those tasks where you really require the human intellect to still perform the job. Uh, you know, it's a very complex task uh, where you, you just want to really prevent injuries um, and, and perhaps widen the pool of qualified candidates, right? You don't always have to have a 95th percentile male to perform, uh, you know, a, a certain job if you have the right tool. So even a small person like me could do it. That's what right. you're saying. Yes. Cool. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I, the, the amount that that could help with worker injury on things like fulfillment centers and other stuff like that is just incredible. So where do you see this going? Because this is a very different area of robotics than most. Yeah. So we're, we're seeing significant traction in, in certain markets. Uh, construction is one. Uh, aviation is another. Um, specifically within construction, um, we recently put out an announcement of our first field trial where we did uh, autonomous uh, solar field construction. Um, that was with an engineering procurement company called Mortensen. It was part of a Department of Energy uh, grant, and we um, were able to go into the field and demonstrate the initial capability of, you know, into a live construction site and demonstrate uh, that we are able to move uh, photovoltaic panels from a delivery point, uh, move them and place them above the racking system that they get mounted to in the field, and then have a worker come in and do some fine adjustment and attachment. So there's still people there. We're augmenting the workforce. They're still performing some of that that high finesse, uh, you know, uh, capability. But you're putting all the brawn on the robot, right? You and you're putting and you're taking out the risk of injury uh, uh, by utilizing the robot to autonomously move the panels from the delivery platform to the racking system out in the field. Uh, so it's it's a it's a win win where you're able to amplify your workforce and allow that domain expertise to be, uh, you know, amplified um, and have, um, you, know, you know, the way we're benchmarking it is, hey, the same size crew could uh, install a field, you know, n times faster, right? Right. Um, or a smaller crew could install a, a field at the, the current rate, right? But you're getting huge productivity gains by introducing this capability. And of note, uh, it's not a, hey, we, th you know, uh, robotics would be great to have. It, I, you know, I think based on the data that has been published into the market, uh, to, to achieve Biden's, uh, uh, you know, energy goal of 30% solar by 2030, uh, 
based on some reports, and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but uh, I can look them up afterwards and provide it to you as reference. Uh, they need a roughly 900,000 installers to, to, oh, to wow. meet that objective. Wow. And uh, in recent years, it's just been over 200,000 installers uh, with a 5% decline year after year, year over year. Uh, so the, the gap is widening uh, in terms of the labor force needed. Uh, so an only way to really, in my mind, uh, achieve that is through the introduction of some level of robotics and automation. doesn't mean that uh, people aren't still there. They're, they're still there to provide what I call supervised autonomy. There's, you know, if there's an error condition or something that happens, a person can take, take over and can um, you know, help overcome a, an obstacle or a challenge. So, I mean, it's amazing. Now, you talk about Biden and his task going forward. And on that line, do you see a place for this with organizations like NASA? I mean, I'm sure the military, too. It seems like there's a lot of other applications that just keep going and going and going. Yeah, d defense, uh, you know, so Sarcos is now the combination of uh, what was, uh, you know, the uh, Sarcos that was in, in Utah that was founded in, you know, 30 30-ish years ago, as well as RE Squared Robotics, which was founded in Pittsburgh um, you know, 20, 20 years ago. We brought these uh, two companies together, but it was interesting, both of those companies that are now one uh, got their start in defense because defense has always been an early adopter. You know, so dealing with EOD, explosive ordnance disposal and bombs that are dangerous. You wanna keep people out of harm's way, right? Go have the robot deal with that threat and keep me away from it. So we continue to serve those communities, the EOD community, uh, the diver community. Uh, we're, we're now moving into uh, aircraft maintenance. We have a program with the Air Force where we're doing uh, uh, inspection and maintenance of aircraft, uh, a C-17, right? So having robot, you know, up at height, because those aircraft are very large. Uh, so. How, going places that are dangerous uh, for humans or would require scaffolding, but now with this robotic system, you don't you don't require scaffolding and you don't put people into dangerous situations. You 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 project the capability at height using our systems and keep people back and allow them to supervise from a, a safe location. Now, this is absolutely amazing. So I'm hoping as you continue to develop things, maybe we could have you back six months down the road and kind of see where things are going and what's happening and what's new. I know our listeners just love this type of technology and we get questions all the time. So I know we're going to get a ton of questions for you too. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Uh, you know, like I said, we, we just had our first trial in uh, December of last year with uh, Mortensen, one of our partners for the solar field construction. We're lining up additional field trials uh, throughout this year. Uh, so, yeah, six months from now, it'd be great to provide you with an update of the progress we've made, whether it be solar field construction or airport automation uh, or uh, subsea applications. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Sarcos Technology and Robotics Corporation. This is absolutely amazing. We'll be keeping an eye on your website, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining me now, Steve Mailer. Well, thanks, guys. I'm having a really fun conversation today with someone that I've been doing uh, interesting things with over the last seven years. She she was probably my first real entry into doing reality television. It was a show called Auction Addicts, and we filmed it from around 2013, 2014. Her name is Samantha Brocklesby, but we lovingly call her Sammy B. Sammy B, welcome to User Friendly. Hello, how are you, Steve? I am doing great, and I'm excited to have you here. I've been trying to get you on the show for weeks, but you're just too darn busy. You know, life happens that way sometimes. Yes, it does. So, Auction Addicts, as I mentioned previously, was a reality TV show that followed six or seven people that seemed to be addicted to going to live auctions, and it was centered around uh, Weather Vane Auctions by Sammy B, which was a, a Sparks location, Sparks Nevada location you had for a while. Tell us what, some of the things that drove you crazy about being on Auction Addicts. Just uh, the cameras were not filming all the time when uh-huh. crazy stuff happened. Oh, of course not. We would have the craziest customers come in obscurely and the camera would be off right at that moment in time or someone would be in my face screaming at me and I'd be looking around going, gosh, why don't we have cameras on this? That would be great. (laughs) Well, you know what was weird? I think a lot of this stuff happened when on days when we weren't filming. Yeah. I think it had a lot to do with this was the week because Auction Addicts was not just about the auction itself and the the winners and what they won, but it was also about the the preparation process of, of running up to the auction for the week. So it was never really clear when, when something crazy was going to happen. But I do remember you saying, you know, God, Steve, you guys should have been here yesterday because we had blah, blah, blah. And it was like, oh, man. So uh, it's a shame that we could never pull anything off of your video security system because that probably some of that stuff probably would have been priceless. Oh, I'm telling you, uh, you know, chaos should be my middle name. <laughs> what is your middle name, by the way? I, I've known you princess. for the. I'm sorry. My middle name's Princess. Seriously. Seriously, yep. I'm the princess of the auction. Oh my God, were your parents drunk or something? <laughs> you know, it's a family name. My grandmother's oh. name was Princess, and my do- both of my daughters, their middle names no are way. Princess as well. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think I knew that about you. Really. So, that's because everybody calls me princess once they find out that's my middle name. No, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought they were just being coy or funny or something. They were li- literally calling you by a, a proper name. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I would never have thought that. Okay. So, wow. I just learned something new. Thank you, Sammy. Or I'm sorry. Thank you, princess. Um, <laughs> see, now, now, now you're in trouble. So, I love that name now. Yeah. tattooed on me somewhere. Oh, well, I'm okay. I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> now speaking of Sparks, you were there for quite a number of years, but then you relocated out to Fallon, Nevada, which is about maybe 50, 55 miles east of where you were. How has that changed the the nature of your business or or has it? It has completely changed our lives moving out here. You know, when we were in Sparks, we were the auction house to be at. We were huge. We had lots of employees. And I really just wanted to recapture my life because we're getting older. My husband and I work like dogs 19 hours a day sometimes. That's crazy. You know? Um, six days a week. And when we moved to Fallon, we decided we wanted a little bit uh, slower pace. So okay. we really push trying to be more online user friendly. Okay. So we're worldwide. Isn't that a great yeah. term, people? Online user friendly. How fitting is that? How It is, you know? But that's really, we have 
great customer service when it comes to our, our online department. We have it where people can log in on every Friday night through our weathervaneauctions.com uh, website. Okay. And if they bid through proxy bid on through our website, they can find it under the blue button. They okay. can hear the auctioneer and myself just telling stories, auctioning. You know, we act like the people are right in front of us. <laughs> yes. They're becoming a family of our own right here. But uh -huh. we do ship worldwide and we have the same customers predominantly who log in every week. And then we have probably 50 to 75 new bidders each week that log in. You kind of led into the next part that I wanted to talk to you about in terms of how your business has changed. Because I know when you were in Sparks, you had a lot of physical foot traffic, people in the store. And I know out in Fallon, since you've moved out to Fallon, because I've had an opportunity not only to be a customer, but also to be a staffer. Right. So I've kind of seen the, the, the volume of physical people in the building has gone down quite a bit. But I've also noticed kind of the inverse that you're online bidding community went up quite a bit and you've taught you touched on proxy bid so if someone goes to weathervaneauctions.com that's the process where you lead over to the proxy bid site and do an online registration i guess where you have to put in some payment information right. your contact information and then from there you become eligible to join one of your live auctions and bid that's correct and we do ship all over the world people can sit in their homes on friday night they can turn on their computer they can hear the auctioneer and myself converse they can hear all all of the activity we call bid just like uh -huh. you would if you were in the building sure we might not actually have any people here in the building especially since covid thank goodness we went to the online process when we were starting to transition out here to fallon yeah. because otherwise it probably would have put us out of business but instead we're thriving that's awesome in fact i've i've had an opportunity to join through proxy bid as one of the online uh contest or not contestants but bidders and i have noticed that it is a very real-time process that what you can ask a question to you to the auctioneers and you get a fairly immediate response. And when your bid gets triggered and during the live auction, it's recognized immediately. There's no lag time. There's no latency period where, gee, did my bid just get lost? It's a very real-time process. Yes, that's true. You know, every once in a while, Blair will drop the hammer a little fast, but the online bidders, the computer controls whether or not the bid is accepted or not. So if, if it's accepted through the computer, then it has to be accepted even if he's tried to drop the hammer and say sold, only because if there is like a half of a second there, uh, the computer is more in control, I guess you can say, than the okay. auctioneer, which is different now that we're going online. So the auctions take place every Friday night around 5.30 p.m. When does the online catalog become available for the upcoming auction? Because you can actually place bids before the auction starts. Yes, you can start placing bids as early as Tuesday when some of the pictures come up. Uh, we have people in the, in the room cataloging Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. By Thursday afternoon, full catalog is up and ready for full viewing and bidding. So then you have the rest of Thursday and all day Friday right up until 5.30 to place your online absentee bids or your pre-bidding and then prepare for the Friday night live bidding action. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have uh, been involved with Sammy B's for quite a number of years and you find some really, really interesting things, sometimes for pennies on the dollar and things that you wouldn't expect to find. Because a lot of these things come from estates. They come from, I guess, bankruptcies. Just it's an amazing collection of things that are available. And I invite you to join weathervaneauctions.com to join in on the fun at uh, Sammy B's Auction House. Well, Sammy, thank you for joining us. Because like I told you, we've already, been, <laughs> we've already pre pretty much gone over eight minutes and 
eight and a half minutes. I think people will find your auction site to be a lot of fun and you find a lot of interesting things. And uh, I think we're going to follow up with you as we get into the summer. That sounds great. And uh, see what you've got going on. Thank so you. It's been think fun. It has been fun and, and we'll see you soon. So always check back and see what kind of auction they have going on at Sammy B's. And again, it's Weather Vane Auctions, W-E-A-T-H-E-R-V-A-N-E, auctions.com. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, back to you in the studio. Steve, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. It's always fun to do a clip show at least once in a while and look back at some of the different interviews we've had. And you know, the first interview we had here was actually with uh, our uh, reporter, Bill Snodgrass, who's also our editor and producer. And he was talking about the new gaming consoles. At that time, they were just being announced for the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox. And you know what? We still can't get them. No. Yeah. I think that's just weird. Yeah, it's yeah. it's I mean it's been a strange thing. I know over the holidays this last year you could get them from scalpers, but you you would pay two grand or more. Um yeah. I mean, we saw them listed all the way up to what fifty thousand dollars or something. I don't know if it's sold for that, but that's what it was listed for. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like that's just really kind of over the top, but now here we are in April and you still can't buy them. You still you know, go but at Best Buy or the big box stores or Amazon or uh, even the smaller places, and it's just they're not available. Now, Best Buy had told me back in December that they should be in February. Well, that's a month and a half now past. So, you know, it's 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 kind of a bummer. I mean, is it shipping or manufacturing, or they just don't have parts? But it's We are dealing with a microchip shortage. Okay. And that's part of what's leading to this problem. It's affecting a lot of different things. It's the reason you couldn't get the Switch console last year, too. And what's happening is when COVID started, a lot of the different people, especially in the automotive industry, that were buying chips stopped. So the manufacturers ramped down, and then all of a sudden, everybody realized that people wanted all of these gadgets and things. Car sales went up, and but then the chips weren't available. So now that is definitely part of what we're dealing with. And there's a number <laughs> of products out there that you can't get, like my uh, ambient light thing that I want for the television. It's not available also because they don't have the chips available. So, you know, now one of the other interviews we got to listen to again was Steve with his reality show, his first uh, run into this with Action Addicts. And I know that they're still working on the production and trying to get a season together to be able to present it all at once. But that kind of thing is interesting, too. The idea of going to an auction and videoing it live and then being able to talk about all of that. And I don't know, that just seems kind of cool. Yeah, there's always some something really neat. You know, whenever you go to an auction, there's always something interesting. I, I've never been to an auction where there wasn't some at least one thing that was just, you know, oh, I absolutely have to have that. I cannot walk away from this without that thing. And, you know, it's interesting. It talks about the technology of it all, too, where it used to be that you had to physically go to the auction. Now everything's online. You can yeah. still go. I mean, that's still a thing with a lot of them. But it's where you can bid from anywhere, and a lot of the stuff they sell doesn't necessarily go to the local marketplace anymore. Right. You know, so you're dealing with all of that kind of stuff. All right, well, next week we're going to have a new show for you. We're looking forward to it. I hope you enjoyed looking back at some of the interviews this week. 
Send us your questions and your comments, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter. Until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2023, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting and technology provided by wearetechnology.com. Listen at theanswerportland.com, userfriendlyshow.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts.